Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Getting Naked with Happiness. This is part two of our episode with Jade Xia. Jade is a TV celebrity, model, and host, and one of Singapore's leading social media influencers. In the last episode, we went from talking about Jade's happiest memories to her journey of grief for her late grandma. She also shared how waking up early and doing some simple activities could help all of us to be happier and mentally healthier. In this episode, we talk about bouncing back from a setback at work and how she learned to see beyond achievements in finding her own happiness. I hope you enjoy this episode and do remember to share your thoughts with us on our Facebook page, Getting Naked with Happiness. Hello again, Jade. So could you share with us a recent setback that you went through where you were able to bounce back and what has it taught you in life? Uh, again, like many, many. Um, I guess a more recent one would be a career setback. So okay. there was... Um, I was hosting a live TV program then and the camera went to... It wasn't on my face, but it went to like a VT like a VT, like a clip, a sports clip. And someone heard someone say there was the F word that was uttered right then. So then it was like, it was it was a non-event. I couldn't even hear it, right? I think my mom watched the program. Sorry, what's a VT? I don't know. A VT, like a video. <laughs> a video, okay. Yeah, a video. Like okay. a, vi- a, a B- hero. Like a <laughs> video of, let's say you're introducing a sport, you're talking about basketball, so then the basketball clip flashes on the screen and it's yes. just your voice, that you can hear voice over. So at that time, like actually our mics were supposed to be cut, but there was uh, there was a word like, that was said, and then it was nothing. So one week passed, nothing happened, and then I, I guess it was a slow day in news, and then it became like a big thing. Like suddenly everyone was like messaging me, AJ, you said F word on TV. So I did, you know. And then after that, I went to watch the clip. And I'm like, oh, okay, actually I heard it, but it doesn't sound like me. Was that really me? Mm. And then it became like such a big thing. Um, yeah, until it reached like, like the level where the TV company, TV station was going to be fined because you're not supposed to like, you know, use expletives on TV. But it wasn't live, right? It was live. Oh, okay. It was live. It's just that nobody picked it up because it was so faint. Okay. So anyway, it was, it was like, okay, to this day, I don't know who said it. It could have been me. Okay. Um, but I, I took the blame for it. Okay. So the company blamed me. And um, it was pretty bad after that because I had to go back to work, you know, and then deal with all of that. And then I was basically that year, it was very bad because I was dropped from a lot of jobs. Mm. Like a lot of, Singapore is a very conservative society. And so I was dropped from a lot of jobs. It was pretty quiet year, career wise. Mm. And then my family is really conservative. Like my mom is really conservative. So mm. she was very upset about the whole thing. Mm. She was just upset. Slightly irrationally upset, but upset on so many levels. And uh, it was really, really challenging, to be really honest. How I bounced back is, I guess, I developed a lot thicker skin. You know? Thicker skin. Yeah, I like, developed thicker skin and I learned to laugh at myself. Mm. And almost find, found it a bit funny, although it took me years to talk about this. 
Everybody so, used the word anyway for expression. Yeah, but I mean, you, you can't say on TV, and this is like okay. many years ago, and then mm. you're a girl on top of that. So it's, ah, okay. it's a lot of layers, okay. you know, and I just learned to yeah, develop thicker skin and mm. realize that it doesn't matter. So that you had an implication on your career it afterwards? Yeah, really, yeah, two years, uh, one, two years. Uh, the first year was really bad. Like, I really dropped from a lot of drops. Then the okay. second year, it slowly picked up, but it, was, it, it did affect a lot of things. Oh dear. Yeah. Okay. And how do you move back? move past that experience besides, besides being more thick skin like what are the some of the self-talk or the strategies that you use you know when you were going through that rough period i told myself that i am more than that experience and you know i think that was when i was very new i was a very new personality on tv and of course when that happened like i'm thrown into a situation where people criticize everything else you know people are just like that, right? They're like, they will criticize how you look, they criticize how you speak. I think all of that was even harder to deal with. Because prior to that, I hadn't, I had, hadn't gotten anything bad. Strangely enough, when I entered the industry, everything was really like rosy. People had only good things to say. And then suddenly it was like, oh yeah, she shouldn't be on TV. What do you mean that people criticize how the way you you eat or the way you speak, sorry, I don't understand that. Like, I mean, when you are on television or, I mean, even doing this show, people will say things, like if you post this on YouTube, people will say things in the comment, like, why is this guy on TV? Why does he speak like that? Why does she look like that? These are normal things that really upset me at that time. Okay, at the point yeah, of time. At that point of time, okay. really upset me. The naysayers. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of like the naysayers, but I was very fragile, like, I think, at that time. And whatever people said, really upset me mm. you know and i think there was this need to feel validated like people i wanted people to think that i was um perfect like i wouldn't say something like that i wouldn't have a gaffe on tv or i would look perfect you know whatever like i mean it's just it's just just different i think then and then since then also with the joy of growing older you just don't care as much anymore were you do you, were you dealing with any sort of issues of being having a sort of uh, front that shows to people that you are, I don't know, lack of a better word, being perfect? Uh, yeah, I think I, I've always felt like if you were to show any form of vulnerability, it's a weakness. So like, in, I mean, I'm actually a very emotional person, but I think I learned not to cry. Like in school, no matter how upset I was, I would never cry, or at least I would never cry in public. Like I think when I got my O-level results, my A-level results, <laughs> I wasn't happy with my results. So I took the results and I went to a friend's house and I cried. Mm. And I didn't like answer my phone for like hours. I think even my mum, I just texted her what I got and then I just, you know, I was really, really upset. And she couldn't understand. She was like, I I've never pushed you. She's like, this kind of grade still can go university, what? I said, yeah, but it's not what I expected and not what I wanted, right? But then I think I just learned to not cry and not be upset and not show emotion. Even when I would go through like breakups with boyfriends, I would cry and go through it on my own for like until maybe like one month later, then I would tell my girlfriends. Do you think that that might be not just a personal, I wouldn't say a flaw, yeah. but a personal way of re-responding to things because we are being brought up in a society or a way of life that we should protect ourselves from a certain danger of being judged so that we have a certain persona that to be strong. And because when you say this, immediately I think about men yeah. who aren't able to express their emotions, but coming from a lady, 
is also quite pressing. It's a pressing issue that because we are being told to behave and act in a certain way, and being able to express our emotions is shown as a form of weakness. I would say yes. I mean, I was from a girls' school for ten years, and anyone who's been in a single sex school would know that it is tough. I mean, you gotta. It's not like. It's not as bad as like I guess the U.S. Mean Girls, but basically. <laughs> You gotta survive, right? So I've always had the tough girl person. Nobody ever tried to bully me, right? So you kind of just build a persona for yourself, which is mine was I had a lot of friends. I was lucky to have a lot of friends. So you're a bit more protected if you have a lot of friends. And I just made it very clear that you know I was not to be trifled with, mm. right? So if you were to like, I guess I should remember like. I'm very scared of needles, so we had to do BCG jab, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, my persona is gonna die because if I had to get, I confirm will cry. I am such a baby, right? Even to this day, I think about needles, I feel anxious and like I feel like crying already. Okay. But my mom's a nurse, right? So I begged her. I said, mom, I cannot do the BCG in school. She said, why? I said, because I will cry. She didn't cry and cry long. But she also is a nurse. She said, what is there to cry about? It's just a needle. Mm. So oh my god, I thought about the needle. I felt sick, right? But then. I convinced her to let me take it outside because if I had taken it in school and I had cried, then would have gone my tough girl persona. So definitely, I felt the need to like retain this like I'm like the cool chick. <laughs> but actually, like, the thought of the needles, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh dear. I felt I, I, yeah, I just cannot. I had I felt the need to carry on like to carry um, upkeep this tough girl image, and I can only imagine it must be worse for boys. Mm. Like. I mean, my mum tells people she has three sons, so I and I grew up with two brothers, so I kind of know what it's like, you know, to 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 not be tough. If people see you as not tough, I think girls can be a little bit cruel in school, but boys are worse. You know, I think boys like if they smell the weakness, that's the, that's the easiest target to bully, right? Mm. So we're also saying that because we pick up. We behave in such a way or such a manner in order to survive. Yeah. To deal with may perhaps like group. Group behaviors, or to get accepted in a group, yeah, and of course, you know, being bullied, especially in schools or in maybe in even in the work culture, right? Yeah, that you have to be tough. But as you know, that this really impacts mental health because when we hold back our emotions, we are we stop being authentic. We also don't express our emotions well, and sometimes we start to look out from all corners to make sure that we are not. We have to always constantly to be on our toes, mm. and that's very tiring. Do you see this happening around you? I mean, like, not say you, but around the region, like you know, industry, or is it pervasive and prevalent? I definitely do. I mean, while I agree with you that people should be a bit more willing to be expressive and vulnerable, there is a time and place for everything. You know, that's it. Like, I have friends I know who have been sort of bullied at work because they have shown weakness in the form of like maybe they have attachments to their children. Like you know, new moms, and then they go back to work, and then they kind of expose this side of them to their colleagues unknowingly. This is used against them. Right? Used against them. Yeah, like wow, why she bother come back to work? Like she's her mind is not here. What she just, you know, she can't leave her baby. Things like like really cruel things like that. So I think, like I I did tell this friend. I said, why don't you talk to me about it? Like I'm I'm not your colleague. I'm your friend. Mm. Right? But I think that maybe. I still think people should be careful because I'm a practical person. I don't think you should like let it all out, especially not to your boss, your colleagues. I think there should still be a sort of line. But I think being able to have a close group, or even a close friend, or a close person that you can be like that with and express yourself with is very, very important. And if you're not, you know, I'm fortunate to have a lot 
or at least a handful of really good friends and family to support. If you're not that lucky, then I would say you should try to talk to someone. Like if you if you can afford it, see a therapist. If you cannot, maybe try to seek out like a even a like public uh, health sort of counselor. Mm. I think it helps to talk to someone. You know, I mean, best is if, if it's someone who really cares for you. But if you can't, you should try to talk to someone, mm. and not just keep it all in. I think men especially are really, oh my gosh, men are like so problematic. <laughs> I really think men are like, because it's even harder for men, right? You're taught to be tough, and you're taught mm. to like you cannot cry, especially in the Asian context. It's even harder for men to like, and then you go like for a girl, like for me to call my best friend and like cry and all that. It's not so bad, but like for a man to call is like his buddy and like bro it's like it's not very done in Asian culture although I think it's getting better like my husband I think like for him he's lucky to have a few good friends it's not like he calls them every day to cry and talk about work problems yeah. but I think like they're cool enough that um, when anyone does have a serious problem they, they will rally around the person mm. but he's also one of the luckier and a bit more enlightened men I would say mm. even then I would say he has a quite a long way to go still you know I think men have a longer way to go in terms of being more emotionally aware yeah. and you know being more um, proactive yeah. in taking charge of your the psychology of your mind yeah. right? but I think that being aware is the first step and then maybe like just knowing that there are like baby steps like maybe you can share a little bit with this one friend mm. right and then then slowly get there like realize that it's okay to talk about your emotions I, I think that's quite good if everyone could do that and be on this Especially being a man, right? Yeah. I've been exposed to... Yeah, you know? Like, the psychological makeup of a man and a woman is a bit different. Yeah. Because for men, I think based on our evolution, we used to hang out together to hunt. Yeah. So we will look at the prey, right? And then we'll sit side by side, so we have no eye contact. So, oh! Yeah. So imagine that if you watch men, they watch a football game. Or oh, they, they sit by side and they watch a thing. Yeah, they watch a thing. So their target is on that, right? <laughs> okay, whereas women, we actually look at each other and have tea and... Yeah, like because the, mom, the mother has to look at the child, the baby, oh. look at the eyes, look at the rec- to recognize all these features. So women and women, they, since young, they know how to interact and form that connection and bond together. But a man is more like at the side, shoulder to shoulder, strength to strength. Yeah, that's so difficult. <laughs> I would say then try to get a male buddy and try to get him to be slowly both of you can be enlightened mm. together, or find a really good female partner. And if it's someone who's really good and supportive, then treat her well and don't let her go. And at least you have one source of support. I, I would say so lah. Yeah, it's th- also difficult because as a man, I mean as a boy when I was growing up, when I look at my dad, my dad would be the hard, tough man yeah. figure, right? Not being able to express his emotions is through actions. Yeah. So if you ask, like, the only conversation that he will ask would be, like, have you eaten? Right? It's very Chinese culture, yeah, like, yeah. have you eaten? Okay, and that's it. And that's about it. That's his show of concern. But from the, from the mother, they'll ask, like, how were you? How are you feeling? Yeah. How do you feel? You know? And so the, the depth of conversation would be very different. So as a son, as a child, when we grow up, we model after these father figures. Mm. And naturally, we take this conversation to our male counterparts. Ah, okay. But I'm also surprised hearing from you because that from a single sex school you say that you have to be tough yeah of course i mean because in an environment where it's all girls right like there's a different dynamic i think we're not fighting for like boys but how do i say it's like like in that situation there will be an alpha Mm. right there will be an alpha in every pack and girls kind of move in cliques and packs and you kind of have to find your people or you have to be 
you know, a friend, someone who kind of mixes with everyone. Mm. You know, so it, it, I know it was tough for the girls who didn't really have a pack of friends. Mm. It was, I mean, I'm thankful that school was pretty easy for me in this front. Like, I didn't get bullied because I had a tough girl. Image, but also I play sports. <laughs> okay. So like if you do then like people kind of like at least there's a bit more you're a bit level up. Mm. But then the quiet girls who didn't really have friends, it was tough. Mm. And then people like even for no reason they would say mean things about them. I don't know. I mean I think kids are very cruel, honestly. Mm. I don't know why. I guess at the age everyone's finding themselves. And maybe for some people to put someone else down it makes them feel better. But there's a lot of that in the girls' school, I think. Mm. And there's a lot of like uh subtle bullying, maybe. Mm. Like they will all target this one girl and like maybe paste stuff on her back or target this one girl and always flip her skirt. Like it's like very, very common in a girl's school to like be like that. How do you overcome these things? Like if let's I say prevent. So that's why I like okay. I, I can I know these things happen, so you just establish from very early on that you are not to be trifled with. Mm. Like don't try this kind of crap on me. Mm. You know, but then if you don't really have the sort of persona then it helps to have a strong friend. Mm. You know? So friendship still comes in. Friendship very really, really helps. Yeah. Yeah, coming to the point of like friendships and also being so vulnerable right yeah. now and and to express these emotions, you said something about your A level results mm-hmm. and you didn't manage to express your emotions or sadness and you held it back until you reached your friend's place. Yeah. Can you share a bit more about the event? I mean, I just didn't expect to do that badly. Okay, it, okay but my mother said that it wasn't badly. To her, as long as I can go to university, it's good. But I had my own, I had my own like standard of what I wanted to achieve, and it wasn't that. I wanted to burst into tears, I guess, or that would have been my first reaction. But I held it back. I was like, you know, no, don't. So I just took the paper, and I didn't want to talk to anyone, and I just kind of snuck out of school, like slinked out of school, and then went to my friend's house. Mm. And then yeah, like, then I really like cried lot. Okay, and how do you manage to slide out of the situation? Uh. Like the reason why I'm asking this is because mm. there are, I think there are many people out there who are very focused on academics yeah. and performance, especially in Singapore. And they are just so exam-oriented because they measure their success based on how they score. And this is also a message to those parents who drive their children, you know, not say they drive them to the wall or whichever, but they are really focused on performance, exams, streaming. And coming from that perspective, I want to hear from you that basically it really affected you. Even yeah, but the funny thing is my parents don't care. Do you know, they didn't even know, like, they never even asked me how I was doing in school ever. Mm. They only knew my O-level results, my A-level results, and when I graduated from university, they're like, oh, you actually did quite well. Like, they really don't care. So even my mom is confounded, like, where is this, like, why are you so upset? Like, where is this coming from, right? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't have the best advice. I guess I... It was an easy bounce back for me because in the end, I did get accepted to all three universities. So it wasn't a bad result, right? Okay. I guess if I didn't get accepted, that would have been harder to deal with. Okay. Um, but it's just not the result that I wanted. And I guess eventually I got over it by telling myself that I got into the three courses that I would have wanted to go to anyway. Mm. It's just that... And I told myself, the exam is just to get to the next step. It's just an exam. Although I say that, and a part of me also finds it very like you know difficult to... It's very difficult to tell someone that. All I can say is that for someone who was so focused on results, mm. after I graduated from university, I was like, what the hell do I do with my life now? Mm. So it's kind of silly because I, I prepared for exams and my whole psyche as like, I think seven year old, when my mom said, oh, no one in our family has ever gone to university. I was like, well, I'll be the first. 
And so I made sure like that was kind of like a very single-minded life goal. And then I did that. But I had no idea what to do after that. So my advice is, can people please think about what you want to do with your life? Don't think about like, <laughs> you know, like think about the big picture, not just like you want to score them well for an exam. Mm. Like why do you want to score them well for the exam? Mm. Right? So in this case, it was just to get into university, right? Which I did. So why was I still upset? So I think that was the way I kind of talked myself out of it. And maybe because you think that achievement was the yuck state or the milestone that you could, is a shot that for you to get happier or performance is a big component of happiness. I think so. I guess, I guess, I felt like, I felt like school leveled the playing field for me at home because mm. I was the middle child and my brother was born first and <laughs> I really think people should just have one child. Now, it's very hard to, it's very hard to give the second child the same amount of attention. Now, my parents gave me a lot of love, but it's just very difficult because you have like a, my brother's only two years older. You have a, like mm. a terrible two-year-old and then there's me, you know, and then when he's four, then I'm the terrible two-year-old. It's very difficult, you know, as, especially as young parents to do that. So achievement was like when I went to school and I realized that actually I did really well in school without trying, then I realized, hey, actually that's something that I'm sort of better at, that, that I can like shine at. Although it didn't help because my parents don't care. Mm. They really don't care. I come home and I'm like, oh, I got second in class. They're like, oh, okay, that's good. They're really not achievement focused. And then after that, I discovered sports. Mm. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually good at sports. And so sports is very achievement focused too. Right, so that one I guess my dad cared a bit more because he was a sports person too. And so I guess I was trying to realize that, okay, like the way to, to be better is to just achieve more. Okay. Yeah, so that, my whole life is like, you just achieve more and you'll be better. And then th that was like the mindset and it's wrong. So, why is it wrong? It's wrong because like, after I achieved all that, then I'm like, after I graduated uni, I was like, okay, then what do I do now? It's wrong because it doesn't bring, it doesn't fully bring meaning. Mm. Like it's nice. And I, I admit I'm still achievement focused to a certain extent. It's very hard to take that out of a person, but mm. I'm also a bit more aware of the bigger picture. You know, that like time spent with people that you love is very important too. Mm. Uh, just enjoying your like moments is very important too. Mm. Because achievement alone will not bring you happiness and doesn't everyone want to be happy? That's the goal of life, right? Mm. So the goal of life is not to achieve a lot or to like do really well in life. Because I think also my idea of what it means to be doing really well in life has just changed over the years. Growing up like that, simply, I always thought like to do very well in life is to to be able to buy whatever I want, mm. then I will have achieved success. Isn't that, isn't that a Singapore mindset, right? In some ways. I guess ways. so, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I... I <laughs> maybe I just don't want very much. I can't buy everything in life, but I think there's nothing that I really, really want now that I cannot buy. I mean, I cannot buy a Lamborghini, but I don't want one. Mm. You know, like all the things that I want, I have, I feel. And then I really realised that actually, Happiness is really just, to me, a part of it, a big part of it is freedom. Mm. Like if, I think something that I really want to buy constantly is, is trips overseas. And I have the luxury to do that and I feel like very thankful that I have the luxury to do that actually. And I'm like, actually if I had all this money and I didn't have the time to do it, also not very, I mean there's not much fun in that, right? So I have friends who, who have gone through that life mm. and they've passed that, that like, time when they were carefree 20, 30 somethings and then like in their 50s and like what do I do with my life? Mm. You know, so I don't want to be like that. I think like in Singapore, at least amongst my friends, I think there is a huge affluenza problem. 
Like everyone wants to be... Share us a bit more about affluenza. I think everyone wants to be richer. Okay. And I, I, I connect with this problem because I was there too. Right? Like I said, I wanted to be like... My goal in life was to like be able to afford everything I wanted. I mean, that's my idea of being rich. Like it's a very childish, simplistic way of thinking. Maybe some people have a... A like number in mind, like a billion dollars. Mine was really like, I just want to be able to buy anything I want without having to think, you know, think too much. Mm. I still think too much, lah. You know, <laughs> but like. So how how this how is this related to affluenza? Yeah. So I think the problem is there's this chase to earn money, mm. and there's this chase to be better than your neighbor, right? But it's a mindless chase, because everyone has their own thing that brings them happiness. I mean, of course there are like, there are like a lot of um, different ways to be happy and like I mean because you asked me about my favourite book actually my favourite non-fiction book I don't know if favourite is the right word but it was the book that was really impactful for me when I was going through a really difficult time it's a book called Happier by Tao Ben Shaha and it impacted me because he basically broke down happiness into two main things one is the state of your relationships and it's just not how many as someone who is like an extrovert with a lot of friends, I had a lot of relationships, but it's the depth, mm-hmm. right? And I realized that I had a few deeper relationships, but not all, and even those could be better. And then the second thing is to, to have constant states of flow in your life. I mean, flow we can talk about for hours, <laughs> right? But You're constantly in the flow. <laughs> I'm constantly in the flow. I mean, so, so I find that in sports for me a lot, and in people, in conversations. And I realise that when I'm in company and when I'm doing sports is when I'm happiest. So everyone has their own state of flow, right? So you should find that. And I think that when the whole state of affluenza is like we forget that actually these are scientifically proven the two things that will make your life happy. Whereas you can be in a state of flow at work, but what if you hate your job? It's very hard to be in flow when you hate what you actually do Mm. or you don't find it fulfilling or challenging or it's overly challenging, right? Then, Then that's a problem. Right. And then it feels like this constant race to like get better, earn more money, earn more money, but but then you're not stopping to like find time to build your relationships, which is the other thing that makes you makes a person genuinely happy. Right. So I think that that is the main problem. At least the problem that I see in the Singapore society. Mm. And it would be great to kind of be able to just share that like this is what I I know not everyone likes to read books. Like my friends tease me, they're like, how do you read textbook for fun? Like, that is not a textbook. <laughs> you know, it makes it sound so boring, but... I mean, I find it fun to read these books, right? Mm. But not everyone wants to read these books. So I just feel like if I could... Like, I just distilled it in two main points, mm. right? And then if you could just remember these two points, you know, every time you feel very stressed or very unhappy, then just ask yourself, like... Actually, these are the two things that make a, any person, any human being really happy. Am I making time for both these things? To mm. be in flow and to be in... Mm. To cultivate my relationships. And if you're not, then maybe it's time to... Take a step back, change mm. your job, change your lifestyle. You know, are you like just working like a really a job that you really hate just because you earn a lot of money, just because then you can have a big car, big house, you know, a nice mm. material life, but then actually you're miserable. But if you create a job, sell a house, sell a car, and you live really simply, but you have a lot more time for the things that you want to do, for the relationships that you want to cultivate, then maybe you'll be a lot happier. Yeah. So I, I think I think that is the main problem for me. Mm, but also like not just you but you know in terms of many Singaporeans who are living in this uh, fast paced society yeah that I'm seeing that I'm seeing in Singapore for those who are listening or watching this we are talking about affluenza affluenza is actually the name for 
whereby not influenza, having the flu, but influenza is like a mental illness, society illness that we are driven to chase after success. And uh, along with that, we acquire the skill of perfectionism, always wanting something fast we consume. And we look really good on the outside aesthetically. We have material uh, growth, but we have very little inner growth. So there's a social decay inside whereby we are just decaying away. We stop to trust uh, as much. We are not really tuned into our compassion. We only look for transactional relationships and because we want more economical growth. Yeah. But along with that, we have a lot of discontentment because we realize that there's a lot of gaps and emptiness within us. And that's about influenza. Well, uh, it's definitely, definitely better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, just showing it as, yeah. as it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. What advice will you give to those who are in their 20s or those who are coming out to the workforce? Uh, I would say think about your strengths, your character strengths, and then from that perspective, think about what you want to do in your life. Because okay. that's not how I thought. Because I went to business school and everyone wanted to be a banker, an investment banker in fact. And they're like, if you have good grades, why would you not want to be a banker? Mm. Right? So I didn't really think about what I was good at. I just had good grades. You know, I just happened to have good grades in business school. But I think if you think about it like really from the perspective of like, what your personality is like, what makes you happy, that, think of that first and then think about the jobs that you would be good at doing and then your life will be so much easier and happier from that perspective. Because I guess, I'm guessing if you're in your 20s is when you're deciding what to do with your career. Okay, so finding out their strengths will be very important, not yeah. just focusing on the grades. Yeah. And how do you navigate past that situation when everyone was telling you to become a banker? Oh, that was tough. It was tough because I was like, am I making the wrong decision? You know, like, they're like, why would you, with good grades, go into advertising? But I just wanted to try. And I just thought like it's something, because. I mean, like I said, you have to know your strengths, but also what you like to do. Mm. So, with my strengths and skill set, right? I mean, or at least we did like those tests in school or whatever. And then like, oh, you should be in PR. So I did my internship in PR, but I hated it. Okay. I hated it because I felt like I'm always asking people for favors. <laughs> I realized it's not what I want to do, right? So then I went to advertising and I decided not to do, not to go into banking and finance because I actually. I'm okay with numbers when I have to keep practicing them over and over again. But I'm not really good at it. And most importantly, I don't enjoy it. You know, I enjoy writing. Mm. But I don't enjoy numbers in general. You know, and then and the other thing is, things that you're good at, you may not necessarily enjoy. You might just be good at it. The happy coincidence is when you are good at something and you enjoy it as well. But I was okay at it, but I didn't enjoy it. So you really shouldn't do that. You should do something that you enjoy that you're good at at the same time. And then that will be the right career path for you. Great. And for, for those who are in their 20s, what one advice that they should ignore? I would say that grades are everything. Right? Because I, I don't know if it was an advice to me, but I think I, growing up in, in the Singapore school system is kind of ingrained in your system that grades are everything. You must do well in school. If you do well in school, you will do well in life. It's really not true, mm. you know, because if you do well in school, you may not end up doing well in life because you haven't thought about a lot of other things beyond mm. the fact that you're just good at taking exams. Because I think I'm just good at taking exams, honestly. And um, if you ignore 
that grades are everything, then you would feel more free to try more things at the expense of your grades. Like, you know, you while you're in school, you would feel more free to do a lot more, like, extracurricular stuff. You would feel more free to do, like, mission trips or go on, like, I don't know, like, to just take a semester off, maybe work hard, earn money and go and travel somewhere. Mm. There are things, these are things that I regret not doing because I was like, oh, no, this is going to affect my grade. You know, mm. things like that. I mean, I did at least happily get, because I'm very energetic, get involved in a lot of other activities. But I had friends who perhaps weren't blessed with the same amount of energy. They're like, but I only have this much of energy. I need to spend it studying or working on, like, getting my grades right. So I think that's one piece of advice I would definitely ignore. Oh, it's so tough, right? Especially in Singapore, when we talk about academics and grades are so important. And when you ask them to ignore that and tell them yeah. that grades are not everything, they're like, okay, you know, how am I going to navigate past that? <laughs> I, I mean, I recently gave a talk at SMU. You know, I went back to school to talk and uh, I, think, I, think, I think students now are a bit more enlightened. Definitely okay. more enlightened than I was. Right? And it helps with, like, I guess, a lot more positive psychology things going around and like better education beyond academic stuff that I think students now are a bit more in tune to the fact that there are things outside of school that you can do. You know, I mean, I think the other, I didn't mention this in the earlier question, but the other thing that I thought about that is a piece of advice that, maybe I can say it's a piece of advice mm-hmm. to ignore is you need to know what you want to do when you graduate school. You need to have a plan. Okay. Right, I would say ignore that because it's different. It's a different world, you know. It's a really, really different world from like what our parents had. Even, even now, it's ever changing, and the needs of society are changing too. So, if you have no idea what you plan to do out after you finish school, that's okay. I think you can take some time to slowly think about it. I'm taking a gap year. Okay, I don't know because I'm a chief. Of, I don't <laughs> encourage taking a gap year because I think it's kind of lazy. But like, I think you can take your time. Okay. And I think you can maybe not a gap, a full gap year, but I think you can freelance. Mm-hmm. You know, you there are a lot of ways that you can uh, still earn ke- your keep without like having to commit to a full time job. You know, like so not a gap year like you just rely on your parents completely, but you could do, you could do like food delivery, you could transport people like through Grab or whatever, earn some money on the side. You could do freelance like video work, freelance writing if that's what you want to do. You know, I still take time to explore, and also like now the job market is so different, it's so varied. You don't need to know exactly what you want to do when you graduate. Because I kind of panicked. I was like, oh, I have no plan. I have no vision. I have no whatever in life. But actually, you don't really need so much. Lah. You know, you just take some time to figure it out. Okay. And yeah, you'll be okay. Don't need to panic. <laughs> don't need to panic, right? <laughs> don't need to panic at 20 if you don't know what you want to do with your life. Okay, I got one more last question for you, Jay. Stefan, you got a lot of last questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is that okay. if you have a magic wand yes. and you can do something to change the world, what would that be? Wow. I would want the world to be more equally distributed okay. in every way, like in terms of like resources, I guess mostly in resources, both natural and like, I guess material resources. Just, just the rich poor gap and the fact that there are people starving in this country and then the people wasting stuff in this country. I wish that everyone would just be able to have at least similar opportunities in life and where it wouldn't be so the difference would be so stark okay and what's coming up for you is there anything that you want to announce and share with the audience who are listening to this podcast or watching this show uh a lot of a lot of things coming up so i'm working on you know like i'm also walking the talk when i say you don't need to know what you're doing you can do more than one thing it it is what i'm doing 
So remember to watch my channel as well um, on YouTube. Follow me on social media. Well, the updates will all be there. I write articles for her wall. I, I do a lot of other things. And upcoming, there will be workshops and talks and stuff like that. But if you follow me on social media, everything will be there. So that's probably the easiest way to keep in touch and keep up to date. All right. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, Jade. And for those who are listening in, we look forward to hearing any feedback or comments that you might have. And we hope you have gained something from the show. And see you next week for another episode of Getting Naked with Happiness. I'm Stefan Liu and have a great week ahead.